Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? What's up, Pelicans fans everywhere across the world? WWL.com, radio.com app. Less than 24 hours away from the NBA draft. 24 hours away from Zion Williamson officially becoming a Pelican. 24 hours away from the Pelicans drafting, well, we don't know, with the number four overall pick. But with each moment that goes by it seems more and more likely that the Pelicans are going to keep that pick. I'm not saying that it's a sure thing, not even close to a sure thing, but I'm saying the longer this drags out, the more you think that the Pelicans might actually keep that pick. We're going to get to uh, kind of break down some players that the Pelicans could draft with that number four pick. I wrote about it at WWL.com. There's four guys that I see as – Game changer is a little bit too strong of a word, but players that would fit really nicely here with David Griffin and Alvin Gentry's uh, system and, and organization, kind of that they've gone over the rehaul. We'll get to that in just a little bit. You can also find it at www.com and the radio.com app. We got a loaded guest, three hours of NBA and Pelicans draft talk tonight. Greg Swartz, uh, Bleacher Report. Andrew Doak, who is covering Zion Williamson's uh, media availability today. Up at the draft, Carter Bryant and Ben Mintz also on the program. So that's your slate today as we get you set for our big-time draft coverage tomorrow. And they were mentioning this on Sports Talk, but we will have five hours of NBA draft coverage for you tomorrow from 4 to 9 p.m. right here on WWL. We're going to be broadcasting live from a location that we know. I'm not exactly sure if I can tell you on the air, so I don't want to get myself in trouble, but it will be hopefully be somewhere somewhere here locally downtown. Logan Falgu's behind the glass tonight, and it's open lines the first half hour. And again, as we get excited for what's going to happen tomorrow, we're asking you, well, who do you want to see the Pelicans draft? Not Zion. We know Zion is uh, coming to New Orleans, but outside of Zion, whether that's with pick number four or if they were to move back with, say, the Bulls or the Hawks, who do you want them to pick in that top ten? And the phone lines are open for you all show long, as they are every single day. The number is 504-260-1870. That's area code 504-260-1870. And our text line is 870-870. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of breaking this draft down, I do want to say that what we're going to see tomorrow is likely going to be the most volatile and unpredictable NBA draft in, in recent memory. The top of the draft, kind of a foregone conclusion. We, we know who's going to be picked number one, two, and three, unless there's just something incredibly unexpected that happens. We have known for months years really that Zion Williamson is going to be selected with the one pick the only drama around that was which team would have those ping pong balls fall their way and it was the Pelicans a little New Orleans voodoo I suppose behind Zion seems pretty clear that John Morant that outstanding point guard from Murray State going to be taken by Memphis with the second pick that is almost a sure thing now that Memphis today traded away Mike Conley to the Utah Jazz John Morant's going to end up in Memphis 
you don't trade away that guy, even though they were trying to trade away him for salary cap reasons. You don't trade away your franchise point guard if you don't have a guy that you're expected to bring in or draft. That's John Morant. He's going number two. We can kind of dismiss all the, the silly trade talk and ideas that came out the past 24, 48 hours around that. Then, unless the Knicks have a last-minute change of heart, and, and admittedly, I don't think that's going to shock anybody who's been following this dysfunctional franchise run by owner Jim Dolan, but they're going to draft R.J. Barrett, Williamson's teammate at Duke with pick three, the clear cut in everybody's mind, third best prospect in this draft, regardless of the smoke that's coming out of New York and everywhere today around, well, the Knicks, maybe they're going to draft Darius Garland. That seems like typical agent fodder, anonymous source junk that we see leading up to any draft, whether that's NBA, NFL, or otherwise. But after that, well, nobody seems to know. We've got multiple franchises within the top 15 picks or so that are expressing serious interest in moving up. We told you the Bulls, the Hawks, the Celtics holding pick 14 are also a team that is certainly exploring options to move up. Likewise, you have multiple teams from picks four through about eight that are looking to move back the pelicans are one of those that's gonna make the first half of round one tomorrow from about six o'clock central time to about eight o'clock central time as volatile as unpredictable as any draft in recent memory and from a fan perspective and from my perspective sitting here on this side of the mic it's going to be incredibly entertaining really is this is going to be must watch and must listen tomorrow and you know what's interesting is not only do the the pelicans have pick number one but the linchpin to all this chaos that seems to be coming tomorrow uh it's the pelicans because they hold this fourth selection that everybody's trying to move up and get that pick they got from los angeles in the anthony davis trade seems pretty apparent They'd prefer to move back from that pick. But I'll tell you this, they're only going to do that if the assets offered to them are palatable to David Griffin because people have told me that the Pelicans do have their eyes on about three players specifically with that four pick that they think have separated themselves from all the fodder, you know, this this conglomerate of, of players that everybody thinks is pretty much equal in their evaluation guys beyond rj barrett to about pick number 15 or you know on your draft boards from about four to 15 remember griffin's shrewd here he's not just going to give up the four pick because he wants to move back for relatively nothing it's going to have to be something now if the pelicans decide to keep that pick or if they trade back say with the bulls just a couple of picks later Lannert a couple of picks later then there are a multitude of players who really could fit nicely with this core. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to break down four guys that I think that everybody would like to see here in New Orleans in a Pelicans uniform, but one in particular that I think fits the best. Our pre-draft show here on The Last Lap, just getting started. Again, the phone line is open, and the number is 504-260-1870. The text line is 870-870. We continue in just a couple of minutes on WWL. Here's a couple of texts. One from the 504. How about killing two birds with one stone? Getting a big dat can shoot. Bull Bull. Well, Bull Bull, the 7'2 forward from Oregon, 
Uh, he's not expected to be drafted until the 20s, and his draft stock is falling a little bit because of questions around his durability in the NBA, and I would have that question also. I think he's seven foot two, like 210 pounds. Which, that, that's just not going to work in the NBA. This is the ultimate project. Maybe they'll get Bull Bull, but that's only if they trade way back in that first round. Here's another text from the 504. Can't wait until Thursday night. Got nothing better to do anyways. Well, even if he had something to do, we would suggest you listen to us tomorrow, 4 to 9 p.m. for our Pelicans and NBA draft special. We'll be on the air live from a uh, location to be announced soon, hopefully, here downtown. Here is a text from the 504. The pan on the wall is dry, so I will listen to the NBA draft. You should. It's going to be fun tomorrow. We know Zion's going to go number one. The question lingers, what do the Pelicans do if they keep the number four pick? And certainly, well, what do the Pelicans do just period with the number four overall selection? Do they trade it? Do they keep it? Do they trade it for, you know, the uh, one of the worst terms right now for me that I cringe every time I hear it, a young vet. Young vet. Let me just say this again. And I I'm really will try not to get derailed here, but we spent a decade listening to Dell Demps tell us how, you know, trading away picks and young players for young vets was going to work with Anthony Davis. It didn't work. Let's not re repeat the mistakes of the past, folks. There's not a term I despise more right now other than young vet, maybe load management in the NBA also. So four players, I think, are front and center, and you might see their names called at number four. The, the first one is obvious. It's Darius Garland, the point guard from Vanderbilt. He, he, it's a little bit of a duality with him. Both the most highly regarded prospects outside of that Williamson-Morantz-Barrett trio, but he's also the least likely, in my mind, to land in New Orleans because of the position that he plays, a position that the Pelicans are chock full of overloaded with young players at the point guard position. They got Lonzo Ball, former number two pick. They've got Frank Jackson, an emerging and intriguing young player behind him. There's the possibility the Pelicans bring back Alfred Payton, who was born in New Orleans and showed flashes late in the season of excellence when he was healthy. Here's the thing with, with Garland and why teams are so high on him. He projects as a top-level three-point shooter. Limited action last year at Vanderbilt, just a handful of games, but shot 48% with the Commodores. He can create shots off the dribble. He's an elite spot-up shooter, and he's impressive in the pick and roll. Grades high in ball handling and penetration to the basket. Here's where the concerns come in for Darius Garland. It's about his size. He stands without shoes on just over six feet tall. And you can see him having big-time problems against the lengthier defenders in the NBA. Oh, maybe like Alonzo Ball, who's going to play that point guard spot. I think Lonzo could lock him down. Also, he was turnover prone at times. And that's a red flag to any team expecting Garland to come in and be a you know facilitator from the point guard spot. Still, he's got elite scoring ability, and that upside means it's going to be a major surprise if Garland falls past the top five selections in the draft. There's just too many teams that need a point guard on their franchise. A lot of teams salivating at moving up and getting him, too. It's why the Pelicans are dangling that four-pick out to some teams who need the point guard. So beyond Garland, it was obvious we had to include him in here because there is a chance that the Pelicans may just see Garland as too 
um, too much separation between Garland and everybody else where you just take the best player available if you're going through a rebuild. I could certainly see that happening, and I'm not going to be mad here on the air if Garland is a Pelican come Thursday night. If it's not Garland, and, and frankly, even with Garland there, the guy that I would prefer the Pelicans to draft if they keep pick four is DeAndre Hunter, the small forward and swing, uh, swing man from Virginia. I don't think there's a better instant fit for the Pelicans than Hunter, who played last season at Virginia, won a national championship. He was also the National Association of Basketball Coaches National Defensive Player of the Year for the Cavaliers. And he projects, even at the NBA level, as an elite defender. He's six foot seven. He's got some bulk on him at 225, 230. So he's got size and strength. He's got a seven foot two wingspan, which means he can defend multiple positions with ease, even though his natural fit is at the small forward spot. He's not just an elite defender either. He's one of the best mid range players in the draft, and he has an excellent long range game. At least he showed it last year at Virginia when he shot 44% from three. Now, if you go past the, the shooting skills and the ball skills, he's also regarded by every scout that, that I've seen as unselfish, team-oriented, and high leadership skills. And if you see the comments coming from his former teammates and his head coach, Tony Bennett, they echo that. Big-time leader, unselfish, team-oriented. That seems to fit what David Griffin wants here, right? Now, the knocks on Hunter or that he doesn't do one thing exceptionally well offensively and never really showed the ability to take over games at Virginia. But here's the thing. We're not going to need, and the Pelicans aren't going to need, DeAndre Hunter to take over games with the Pelicans. You got Zion Williamson, you got Drew Holiday, you got Brandon Ingram, and you have Alonzo Ball. It doesn't have to be a big-time score. Other concerns, elite defender, won the National Defensive Player of the Year. So take this with a drink, grain of salt. But his block shot rate was was oddly low. For a guy who is, again, considered the best defender in college basketball, not a great rebounder either, which is a concern from the small forward spot. He'll be turning 22 this year, so he's a little older, older than the prospects near the top of most draft boards. But also, you could could say that's a good thing. Remember, Griffin has expressed a desire to avoid overloading this roster with teenage youngsters who could take years to develop and acclimate to the NBA game. Hunter's not that. DeAndre Hunter's my guy. I've, I've settled on Hunter as the guy that I would like to see New Orleans, if they hold the number four pick, to take a shot on. Imagine that quartet of defenders on the court for the Pelicans at one time. Drew Holiday, already one of the best defenders in the league. Lonzo Ball, regarded as one of the best defenders of the point guard spot in the league and, and close to becoming maybe, you know, if he improves his offensive skills because he's always factor in, but an all-NBA, uh, excuse me, all-defensive player kind of guy. And, of course, Zion, all-around monster, including defensively. I really like DeAndre Hunter. Another guy similar to Hunter, if it's not him, Jarrett Culver. Texas Tech, similar to Hunter, if you sacrifice a bit of defensive size and versatility for more of a well-rounded offensive game. He led Texas Tech 18.5 points a game last season. And if you consider the snail's pace that the Red Raiders played at, it's actually even more impressive. Primary ball handler for the Red Raiders. And he can play the point guard spot, the shooting guard spot, the small forward spot, the 1-2-3. Very good rebounder, great instincts, and... Every scout believes he's going to be an above-average score and defender in the NBA, although people vary on whether he'll be elite in either of those ways. 
Now, the questions around Culver relate to his three-point shooting ability and his size. He's 6'6", but he's only 195. You play the shooting guard spot. That means you're going to get pushed around bullied in the NBA a little bit at that size. You can develop that. So it's not a huge concern. His three-point shooting ability, he also can develop that, but that's a concern. If you're playing the two, if you're playing the shooting guard spot in the NBA, well, it's really hard to put somebody who shoots only 30% from three on the court in the NBA playing the two. So size, yeah, maybe that questions around his size overblown in the modern positionless NBA. And maybe this is the guy because he's got a little more offensive firepower than DeAndre Hunter that you might see the Pelicans call with pick number four. He's going to go early on Thursday night no matter what. Now, one other player, I would be highly surprised if the Pelicans take him at four, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Boom or bust guy, it's Cam Reddish of Duke, the small forward from Duke. He looks, if you just look at him, he looks the part of an NBA all-star swing, man. He's 6'8", 7'1", ring span, got a lot of natural skills. He can create his own shot from the outside or off the dribble, but never really developed at Duke. Shot only 33% from three, never took over games even when Williamson was out, never lived up to his potential. Not naturally quick, going to have issues defending, didn't look like a motivated rebounder. And here's the thing with Reddish. It might be a little unfair to judge him when you're playing next to R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. Cam Reddish is going to be a top 10 pick. I think it might be a little bit of a stretch to draft him at four. But those are the four guys that I see the Pelicans could draft with pick number four. If it's me, I'm drafting DeAndre Hunter. 60-second break, back with their calls, then Andrew Doak. We've got Andrew Doak coming up in about three, four minutes. WWL-TV Channel 4 sports anchor who is up at the draft to – Watching Zion Williamson take questions from reporters. We'll get to Andrew in just a second. To the phone lines we go. Terry and Marrero told our producer, Logan, that I'm full of it, Terry. How am I full of it? Go ahead. All right. I want to talk to you. I see, I see what you're saying. But let me ask you Hey, let me ask you. Hey, Terry, uh, you're, you're hard to hear. Are you on speaker by chance? Any way you can go off speaker so we can hear uh, you? Yeah, let me take you off. Hold on. All right. Yeah, I just want to be able to. I want everybody to be able to hear you. It's Terry and Marrero. There uh, you go, you Terry. Oh, now? yeah, yeah. Much better. Go ahead. All right. I just want to test your consistency, right? Okay, you're saying we should take uh, uh, DeAndre Hunter at four, right? Yeah, that's that's my guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. All right, now, my question is this here. If the Pelicans didn't have the number one pick and they had the number, say, the number two pick, mm-hmm. who would you want us to draft? Uh, they didn't win the lottery. And they had, sure. You're saying if they was number two, oh, it'd be Jaw. Well, it, see, this is okay, – okay, are you nice saying – well, I, we got to put it in context. you got to put it in context. Okay. I would not have traded for Lonzo Ball if I had the two pick, but I probably would have taken okay. Jaw Moran, all right? But, see, this is my point. I think sometimes we just overthink it, right? We go to overthinking things when really and truly everything is right there for us to see. Sure. And I know most people will say the same old thing. If the Pelicans had not won the lottery, they would have took, they would take Jaw Moran. That would be – nobody wouldn't even argue that point. Mm-hmm. My point is this here. My point is this. Before John Morant with John Morant, Darius Garland, before he tro- tore his meniscus, was the consensus uh, best guard in the league. But because nobody don't know about him, or he's driving – or he's coming up to draft boards right now, high. But the truth of the matter is, he is everything John Morant is also. He's just not as 
Yeah, he's not. He's, yeah, he's not quite as big. Uh, Terry, I think you bring up a good point here, and this is why I will say, and a lot of people agree with you, including some people I've talked to this week, and and they say you just take Garland, even though you're kind of overloaded at that position. And I'll and like I said when I was talking about Darius Garland, who is uh, projects to be the best scorer outside the top three in this draft, and projects to be you know a long term fit at point guard for any team. I'm not going to be mad if they draft Darius Garland. If you go best player player available here, and David Griffin and company thinks it's Garland. Look, I'll, I'm with you. I, I did take him. I just it, – it's close enough in my mind, and this is just my opinion here, it's close enough in my mind between DeAndre Hunter and Darius Garland where the need for an elite defensive three and a guy who can play the the two, three, four, and maybe even in the NBA, the small ball NBA, maybe the five, rarely, but maybe he could play the five, that's DeAndre Hunter. And I think he's going to be the best defender in this draft. He can shoot the three close to what Garland can shoot it at. Remember, he was at 44% this last year, and he's a little bit older, which means it's going to take less time for him to acclimate into the NBA. So DeAndre Hunter's my guy. But to your point, Terry, I'm not going to deny anything you said there. Yeah, Garland is fantastic, and that's why you have multiple teams salivating it trading up and grabbing Darius Garland it's a great call Terry keep listening to us we got our draft coverage coming tomorrow hold on if you're on the phone lines we'll get to you in just a little bit and we'll bring on in Andrew Doak sports anchor for WWL TV channel four uh, he was up uh, with the Zion Williamson press conference today he'll be at the draft tomorrow and he is watching this Texas Tech Florida State game and pins and needles Tech let's take the 2-1 lead Andrew how's it going well, it's better now, but, uh, you know, I think previously, I think God's about to deny me at the pearly gates whenever I pass away one day because of all the words <laughs> I'm saying during this game. So it was, it's, uh, it's stressful, but uh, we're getting ready for the, the 10 o'clock show and, uh, and we're enjoying our time up in uh, Brooklyn, New York, regardless of uh, what happens, I, I guess. I, I'll tell you, Zion, and we knew this, we've heard him speak before, but he comes off as really impressive and humble, Andrew. Andrew. Man, he sure does. I, yeah, I mean, when – after speaking with this guy for five minutes today, it's hard to believe um, not only what he's able to do at his size when it comes to, you know, the basketball court. I mean, he's incredibly nimble and just watching him on TV. I think it, it was a different realization to be able to see him in person and be like, this guy is 18 and he's not even 19 years old till July 6th. And, and to be able to move the way he did when I watched him on television is, is unreal. But, I, it, you know, when it comes to his personality, it took me no, no longer than five minutes to say to myself, this guy not only is going to have the chance to be the face of the franchise for the Pelicans, but I'm telling you, in, in like a year or two, the way that he carries himself, how articulate he is, and just how smart he comes off, this guy has the chance to be the face of the NBA, not, not just the Pelicans franchise, the face of the league. Yeah, and one thing that, that we embrace here in New Orleans and in Louisiana are people who you know don't have these oversized egos that come in here, embrace the city, and allow themselves to be embraced. And he seems like he seems like that guy, right? Kind of the almost the anti-LeBron from a personality perspective, where you know it's it's about the other people and what he can he can do for you know, teammates and franchises. Yeah, when when we first started our interview session with him during the media availability this morning, he was almost a little coy to like go ahead and just admit that he was going to be the number one pick. And, and I don't feel like it was because he didn't want to like step on other teams or anything like that. He knows the Pelicans are taking him number one, but it was almost like he didn't want to take the spotlight away or be overly confident in front of his contemporaries. And so I, that's just was my take on it. And I, I, I honestly respected it. And then as the interview kind of went on, I remember I even posed a question to him 
about the Pelicans restructuring the front office. And, and then I followed up by saying, look, I mean, if you are in fact the number one pick and he kind of finally like laughed and he's like, no, it's okay. Like, I mean, I'm excited to get down there. And that, that's when he kind of went on the spiel where he was like, no, I'm actually really excited about new Orleans and, and being down there. And, um, you know, it sounds like from the conversations that he's had with David Griffin, he, he just wants to play basketball and wherever he's going to end up, he's going to make the best of it. And it, it genuinely sounded like from whatever David Griffin told him, um, not that he was opposed to it before, but it sounded like they had just had a great meeting and, and that David Griffin sold him on more than being just a basketball player, but being a great business opportunity for him. And that, that was one of the things that he shared with us from their private meeting, uh, going to Commander's Palace and getting to know, um, you know, each other and each other's families was that, you know, he really sold him on this vision of, of marketing him as a brand beyond basketball. And did not have a chicken tenders at Commander's Palace. We finally put those rumors to bed, right? <laughs> yeah, but he had fried shrimp and mashed potatoes. Like, is it that much better? Like, that's the that's the seafood <laughs> version of chicken tenders. Like, so, so I don't know. That, that was my take on it. You go to Commander's Palace, man. Get the souffle. Like, get some oysters. You you gotta you gotta jazz it up some more. But he is eighteen, <laughs> so maybe. Maybe his palate isn't there all the way yet. I yeah, guess. or maybe he was just worried about, you know, humble guy. Maybe he's worried, oh, man, I don't want to get, you know, the, the most expensive items on the, on the – maybe this is the test by David Griffin. How humble am I going to be? I don't know. I don't know how I'd handle that situation. True, true. It's a fair point. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have uh, – you're right, though. I wouldn't have the fried shrimp or the, the fried chicken, but that's just me. Uh, I would probably be that guy that orders the most expensive thing. Like, I want the, I want the ribeye. I'm going out tonight. <laughs> it's Andrew Doak, sports anchor for WWL-TV Channel 4. Now the questions. We know Zion's going one. We assume well, Jaw's going to go yeah. number two now that Memphis traded Conley. I guess we're assuming unless sure. you know Jim Dolan goes full Jim Dolan up there, uh, it's going to trap RJ Barrett at three. That means the Pelicans are four, at pick four, and at every moment that goes along here, it seems more likely that the Pelicans are going to keep the pick. Uh, if they do keep that pick, um, who are you leaning towards that you'd like to see them draft, Andrew? Yeah, well, uh, catching the end of your conversation with the last caller, I didn't get to hear all of it, but. Um, I would say they were would take with Gary if keeping really Andre Hunter seems uh kind of more of a three D guy. Oh go we're gonna go ahead and put Andrew uh, uh Logan, go ahead and pick up Andrew. We lost him there. I couldn't I wanna make sure I get his entire answer uh on this one. But we're hanging out with Andrew Doak of WWL TV channel four. I really wanna know uh what he thinks about this, so I wanna go back and revisit that so we can see the entire answer quick text here while we're checking on andrew seth if they move back to atlanta with picks would you like reddish at eight in the texas center or forward from france at 10 maybe i'm not high on cam reddish i think he's too boomer bust for me he is and i'd i'd rather have well you know a guy like Jarrett culver or if somehow uh, deandre hunter falls there but you know, Reddish is going to go in the top 10 somewhere, you would think. All right, uh, Andrew, uh, sorry, you're breaking up there. I want to get your entire answer again. Uh, who are you drafting with four if the Pelicans are there? Can you still hear me okay? Yes, yep, got you now. Perfect. Okay. I would take, if, if they're going to keep the pick, I'm with you. I would take DeAndre Hunter. I, I think he's a guy who right now is kind of more of a 3 and D guy, but he's an elite defender. Um, and I think his offensive game just, like, screams potential that it can just go up from here. He's someone who almost, I would compare – to someone like Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he was a really raw talent whenever he came into the league, but his length and and just how rangy he is, um, he can lock down the best the best out there. And, and to be honest with you, I'll, I'll tell you this: the one, the, maybe the most impressive performance I saw, and, and this is coming from a Texas Tech fan, 
was he locked up Jarrett Culver whenever they were playing in the national championship game. And immediately when I was watching those two guys on the floor, and as much as I love Jarrett Culver, uh, who would also be a, an unbelievable swing man, I sat there and I said, how are you not going to take DeAndre Hunter you know, really, really higher than Jared Culver whenever I watch those two. But, you know, we'll see how it shakes out and who falls where. But if, if they were to keep the pick, I would take DeAndre Hunter. I really would. Yeah, and some people are saying, well, he's 22. That's a knock against him. I almost think with what David Griffin said, Andrew, that he doesn't want a bunch of teenagers on this roster, that it might be a net positive, at least here with the Pelicans and Griffin. No, I, I would agree. I, look, I, you still got plenty of years with this guy. 20, 22, what, 22 is too old? What, right. Because you're not 18 years old? I, I don't buy into that, no. Uh, outside of that, um, uh, the Pelicans may move back with a team like Boston, pick 14, Atlanta, uh, picks 8 and 10. Do you have anybody that you got your eye on a little later in the draft that maybe you'd like to see in a Pelicans uniform, Andrew? Well, I would say maybe if I think people keep forgetting too that you know you got some second round picks that you're able to work with. Um, look, I think you, you got to replenish some of what you lost in the front court. Um, and so, look, if I think it's uh, pick 39, I believe is one of the mm -hmm. second round picks that yeah. the Pelicans have. I think Nas Reed, someone who you know obviously LSU fans know, I think he could fall somewhere like there. Um, and I, I think he's a guy who has upside, but you know not someone who has enough upside to take him in the first round, obviously. Um, at least in my opinion, but he, he could be someone who, you know, with that second round pick, you know, want to take a flyer to see how he can, how he can uh, pan out. That would be somebody that I would be interested in. But um, uh, did you see, by the way, you did know, you see the, the storylines sure. about Nas Reed's bench press? And I'm going, did, did you learn nothing from Kevin Durant's workout? I think Kevin Durant, what was it 10 years ago? It was zero right. bench presses. And, you know, people are freaking out about three bench presses from Nas Reed. I'm like, what are you, what, what are you doing people? Come on. Yeah. Kevin Durant was, had, was a binge. I don't even know if he could binge 185 pounds. I think he got zero. Yeah. I think he went, <laughs> he did a grand total of zero of those. Uh, I don't think yeah. that's mattered. Right. <laughs> With KD. No, I don't think so either. Um, yeah. So what, what do you, what are you guys covering up there? The next uh, other than the actual draft stuff, but I would imagine you're going to have all the sound and, and stuff on your program tonight and tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, we, we were covering basically we lead into the draft tomorrow. I mean, kind of the interesting aspect is that it, and not to take a, I don't know if you necessarily want to say that it's kind of taking some shine off the number one pick, but we already know who it's going to be, right? So yeah, I'm really, really interested to see um, who they're going to take it at number four or what they decide to do with that pick. And so that'll be really what we surround the majority of our coverage with um, on draft night because that's, that's like the most intriguing thing to me um, outside of being able to talk to Zion today. And um, I, I think it's going to be mesmerizing to watch even – if the Pelicans don't dish the trade or move up or back before um, draft night tomorrow, I think that even if they make a selection, depending on who it is at number four overall, it's still going to be ongoing what they decide to do with it after. Um, I think it could certainly extend and play out over the next few weeks. I'm a little bit of an anarchist, Andrew, so I just want uh, New York not to take R.J. Barrett so I can see the Barclays Center just melt down uh, while you're up there. That's, 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 what, I want. that's what I want to see. <laughs> How fun yeah, would I that think, be? Well, I, talked to some, I talked to some Knicks fans this week, and I think they were trying to talk themselves into, well, R.J. Barrett was the number one you know, overall player coming out of high school, so maybe he's better than Zion, like trying to try to talk their way into it. So, <laughs> All right. All right. They're, they're just looking for some sunshine here. Yeah, they really are. Andrew Doak, uh, sports anchor for WWL-TV Channel 4. You can hear him in, and see him in tonight's uh, sportscast, everything from up there in New York. And, Andrew, uh, good luck to your Red Raiders, who have a 2-1 lead right now at the College World Series, bud. 
Thanks, but I appreciate it. All right, there he goes. On Twitter, at Andrew Doak underscore WWL. We'll take a break. Back with your phone calls. Lines are open for you. Phone number 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Our text line's 870-870. What do you want to see the Pelicans do to tomorrow's draft? Who do you want to see the Pelicans take at pick four if they keep it? Or maybe they move back a couple of spots. Who are your guys? Give me a call. Shoot me a text. We're back after this on the last lap. Got a good text here from the 770. Trading back for a player did get us Drew Holiday. Do you think that's where David Griffin is leading? I think leaning as far as trading back. What players do you think they should go for if so? I know they've been linked to Bradley Beal. It seems less likely now with the reports coming out of Washington. Maybe a guy like Aaron Gordon, the forward in Orlando. I'll just be frank, though, here. And I've talked about it so much this week. I don't want to burn more minutes on my show, uh, really diving into this. But I am just so against that strategy here right now for the Pelicans. I can't really express my disdain for it. You don't trade pick four where you're likely going to get a player like a DeAndre Hunter or a Darius Garland or a Jarrett Culver or even a Cam Reddish where you would have eight years of team control of them for two, three, four years of whatever quote-unquote young young vet you can get. that is doesn't, in my mind, and David Griffin is a much smarter basketball mind than me, so if this happens and he explains why, you, you know, you're going to trust him way more than you do me. But I would find that just on, on its face a little outrageous because it won't jive with it wanting to compete for championships in four, five, six years down the road when that guy likely wouldn't be here anymore. You're not trying to win titles now in the next one or two years. Maybe with how relatively kick-started this rebuild is, maybe you could say in three years, well, maybe you're you know making a playoff run deep into the Western Conference. It's certainly going to be faster than it would have if you're starting everything over around Zion. A text from the 225, forget Garland, he signed with Rich Paul. That is a story that you're just going to have to and that relationship you're going to have to get used to because Clutch Sports has turned into one of the bigger agencies for NBA stars. And that's why the David Griffin was very calculated in repairing that relationship. I mean, he just made the trade to send Anthony Davis to his preferred destination, and I would assume, and David Griffin even talked about the great relationship he had with Clutch Sports and Rich Paul. So that that's not going to be an issue going forward in my mind. And let's be honest, by the time, if, if the Pelicans do draft Darius Garland, by the time he's up for unrestricted free agency, LeBron James isn't going to be in the league anymore. And it looks like the Lakers are going to be taking a big time step back. 504-260-1870. That's area code 504-260-1870. Give us a call. Here's our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. Will the Pelicans win a championship with Zion? Simple yes or no. You can cast your vote at WWL.com. We'll have some sound from Zion a little later in the program, back in three minutes on the last lap. Our pre-draft show here on WWL on the last lap, one hour down, two of it to go. It's all NBA and Pelicans talks for the next two hours. If you're on hold, stay there as we'll get to your phone calls right after the news break. An update on our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. Will the Pelicans win a uh, championship with Zion Williamson? Vote split 50-50 right now. Cast your vote, WWL.com, radio.com app. Two guests next hour, Greg Swartz, NBA draft analyst for the Bleacher Report. 
We'll go heavy on draft prospects. And my buddy Carter Bryant, Carter the Power, checks in at 940. Two more hours. Stick around. Back in eight minutes. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.